Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. These stories were recorded live on November 15, 2012. The theme for the evening was Dining with Family. So I was a military kid. Uh, I had two fathers. My father was in the Navy and my stepfather was in the Marines, which means that my mother raised me because they were out on boats doing war things and military things all the time. But she didn't just raise me. I have three sisters, two older sisters and a younger sister. And logistically, of course, that sort of boggles my mind how she even fucking did it. Like, I just, I still, I don't understand it because most of the people I know even with two parents, if they have one kid, it's a shitstorm of obligation, and they're miserable and sleepy, but my mother did it. Um, but, but there were some, you know, there were adaptations that all of us made to sort of make that run. I won't say smoothly, but to make it run, to make it happen. And my sisters and I were essentially advanced latchkey kids, and like advanced because we didn't have that like hour at the end of the school day when we hung out. It was like we did laundry at age three, and we were fucking, we were in the mines. We didn't have, like, chore charts because we were all, it was ingrained. It wasn't, it wasn't um, small time. Um, And my mother worked two, sometimes three jobs to make ends meet, so that also meant that my sisters and I fended for ourselves a lot. And um, I don't know if you've ever tried to budget food for a family of five, but it's really difficult on a limited budget. And my fathers were enlisted. They weren't officers, so we made shit for money. And so essentially what we, what we ate when we fended for ourselves were starches and chemicals, uh, powders that could be liquefied into proteins. But um, essentially we were eating shit. So when my mother would ask, like, what, you know, uh, she would leave things sometimes, but it was, sometimes it would be like she'd get home from work and she'd be like, what did you have for dinner? And you'd be like, well, I ate two packages of Ritz and a glass of ranch dressing <laughs> or like uh, half a bag of carrots and three slices of individually wrapped American cheese um, or just like some Diet Coke and chocolate milk kamikaze <laughs> thing. And when she did have time to cook, generally she relied heavily on the sort of meal in a pot solutions that were really popular in the 80s hamburger helper, tuna helper, all of the helpers, really. Um, And those were really good. I have really fond memories of those. And then, of course, we also ate fast food a lot. And, um, again, if you budgeted for a family of five, like sometimes if you don't have time, you can feed a family of five, get a fucking few happy meals, and everybody's happy, and they don't have to eat or digest anything again for a couple days. So... (laughs) So it's, re- it's really a, an effective way to feed a family of five. Um, so with as much time as we spent at McDonald's, you know, the sort of normal sit-down family time at the end of the day when everybody sort of processes what they've done, where they're at, what they're doing, um, we did that a lot at fast food restaurants. We had a lot of heart-to-hearts at fast food restaurants, and... Just as an aside, my mother worked in the medical field. Um, she worked uh, all through her life, and eventually she worked as an assistant to the Douglas County coroner 
my older sister Shannon and Lisa, they both sort of went into that field as well. They worked at nursing homes. And my older sister Shannon became a surgical tech. She worked on a, a team that harvested organs from people who had expired so that they could put them in healthy or non-healthy non living people to help them get healthy again. She was an, an organ harvester. Uh, so when we get together for family meals, my sisters and my mom like to talk shop. And, uh, and, 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 and mealtime is sort of the worst time to be around people who are, have their hands in people's bodies all the time uh, because, because they get reminded of things. You'll be eating sloppy joes, and they'll be like, ah, oh, we had this dead guy last week. He came in with a shotgun wound, and he had this weird prolapse thing. And when we turned him over, it burst, and it looked just like those sloppy joes. It's, it's bad. And then you're like, I can't eat. But they, they're like, and then they've got like sloppy joe dribbling down their faces. <laughs> it's disgusting. So there was a lot of that when I was growing up. And my mother was a very sort of candid woman. She was a no-bullshit woman. I think that's how she did it, regardless of, of the logistics. She was just, she, that's how she talked. She just wasn't afraid of that stuff. Um, so we were at McDonald's once. I was 12. My older sister, Shannon, was 15. And we went to McDonald's. Uh, my mother had picked my sister up from her latest gynecological exam. And we were at McDonald's and eating. I was eating my Happy Meal. <laughs> and my mother, of course, was asking my sister how it went. Um, and my sister was expressing the discomfort. And I was curious about vaginas at the age of 12. And so I wanted to know more about this gynecological exam that they were speaking of. And... Um, so my sister and my mother started to describe the process of the gynecological exam, that, the, that what it is is that it's a doctor examining the entirety of your pelvic region inside and out. And, um, and we were eating this whole time. I, had a, I did have a happy meal. I had a cheeseburger happy meal um, with fries. And they sort of describe how they check the... <laughs> the labias and the labia minora, and then as the whole thing sort of um, progresses, um, they get the speculum, and my mother is eating her, her Big Mac at the time, um, and my sister talked, she's trying to describe the speculum to me, and she said it's like a duckbill, and of course, like every, I think everybody knows that, and it's cold metal, and they pry your vagina open, the vaginal canal open with the speculum, and she takes a bite of cheeseburger. Um, and then, and, and, and they're checking all of the tissues out. It's, they, again, they sort of like keep going into the, to the discomfort that is the, that's sort of inherent in this process. And you're in these straps. And for my 15-year-old sister, you know, I, she's mortified. She was just talking about how embarrassed she was to have, it, have to go through this. And my mom's just like chomping away, sipping on her Diet Coke. And... Um, and the part of it that I remember the most is that after they describe the, the outer examination, the spreading of the vaginal canal with the speculum, and my sister picks up a handful of french fries, and she goes, and then they take a swab. <laughs> and they dip the cervix. The cervix is, the, is the, sort of the anus of the uterus <laughs> into the ketchup and takes a bite. 
of her French fries. So, and the, the memory is not much more than that. Although it, it, it gave me two things. It gave me two things that I learned from it. I, like, I, I, ha I knew a lot more about that stuff than most 12-year-old boys, for sure. But I cannot eat McDonald's without thinking about vaginas. <laughs> and I cannot be around vaginas without thinking of French fries. <laughs> and I thank my mothers and my sister for that. Our next storyteller, uh, we're excited to have her. She is the social media director, audience development at Stars Denver Film Festival and Denver Film Society. Yes. Please welcome Carla Rodriguez. Okay, first I have to tell you, Rob, um, number one, I just ate fries and gravy downstairs, and so that your story was really fucked up for me. And number two, I have to go to the gyno on Monday, so I hope that wasn't foreshadowing of my own appointment, what I just ate. Um, I'll forgive you if my test results aren't positive. So I have notes, because my brain is a little fried. The festival just ended, like, how many days ago? Two? Three? I don't know. Um, but I, I'm really, people who know me know I'm pretty hyperactive, so it's hard for me to focus on one thing at one time. And it's not serious, it's kind of funny, so you should enjoy this. <laughs> um, but what I decided to do is I, I thought I'd tell like the YouTube equivalent of stories of my life and use a picture or two to uh, signify each of those stories in one. So... I have this picture of like your typical holiday dinner fair. Um, and yeah, let's get started with, how about the glass of, the glass of wine right here? Um, so I think it was Christmas 2000. My parents are divorced like normal American families are. All you people whose parents are still together are like fucking freaks to me, so. Um, <laughs> And I had chosen to spend Christmas with my mom that year. And when dinner was done, I got a call from my dad. And my dad, who I could tell right away from the fact that he was singing Jingle Bells, was totally wasted. Um, <laughs> I like talk him down from that little high, and, and all of a sudden he, he makes a sound that's the worst sound that you can ever hear in your life, which is the sound of your own father crying. Um, and he told me that he had something he had to tell me, which was that he was dying and that he only had a few months to live. So being 17 years old, I was completely despondent. Um, I missed a couple of days at, of work at the health club because that's what I did back then. Um, and finally, I got up the courage to call him again and talk to him about it. And I was like, you know, so how are you doing after what, what you told me? And he said, well, I have to tell you something else. I made it up. <laughs> it was all just a desperate ploy for attention and guilt because I hadn't chosen to go to his house for Christmas that year. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, all right, so someone write like a fucking Wes Anderson movie about that because... <laughs> Next up, I have, 
I think, what was my next one? Oh, yeah. Turkey. Turkey is for the year that my grandma went on Thanksgiving strike. <laughs> so I've been a vegetarian since I was 17. This happened about four years ago. So I was like 25. Grandma had had enough. <laughs> and when you're about 72 years old, I think you're allowed to have enough. So she decided to go on like a four-hour-long bingo orgy of fun that day. <laughs> and... Um, there's only one person that's more stubborn than her in our family, and that would be me, the only child. And even though I've always had a completely non-traditional holiday experience, I always, I'm the one, I'm the Clark Griswold. Like, <laughs> I always want it to somehow be traditional, you know what I mean? So I, I took it upon myself to cook Thanksgiving dinner, um, and it was horrible. <laughs> I have no fucking idea how to cook a turkey. <laughs> I know that little thing's supposed to pop up when it's done, right? Is that right? No? Oh. But I know my to tofurkey was really good. Um, she came home, my mom came home, and honestly, like, it, it all worked out great, and she was really touched that I actually, like, took the time to try to cook. And um, I think she relished in all the, the pain that I, and war stories I had about, like, the fucking, how do you butter a pan smoothly without getting shit all over you in the counter and, ah, I don't, I don't really cook ever, so even, like, buttering a pan is scary to me. But, um, so that's the turkey. Next up is the, uh, the casserole and the pie. And this might be my favorite victory, because I feel, I like to pretend that on some, like, Carrie Matilda level, I made it happen. Um, this was, this signifies the one year, the one year that my mom attempted to cook dinner. And my mom is a total health freak, like, like crazy. Like she runs all the time. Her diet consists of those, uh, those, uh, diet Coke chocolate milk concoctions you were talking about earlier, pretty much. And she was like, you know what, I'm going to make us a dinner, and it's going to be so yummy and healthy. And when those two words, they just, they don't mix, <laughs> all right? And so she took my, like, sweet, precious, like, butter-lustful holiday of Thanksgiving and turned it into some, sort like, horrible, like, trans-fatty margarine fucking monster. Um, I mean, like, I, I swear to God, like, the whipped cream looked like something that came out of, like, my, like, 17-year-old boyfriend's penis. It was really scary. Um, but... Luckily for me, not only is she like a compulsive health freak, she's also a compulsive cleaner. So she finishes making dinner and she has it all put out on like the kitchen counter, really nice, and um, decides it's time to break out the Hoover and vacuum. <laughs> and as luck would have it, the cord from the vacuum like came to my rescue and just knocked all of the food off of the kitchen counter and shattered everywhere. <laughs> Victory. Um, <laughs> and then the best part was the dogs ate it and then they puked everywhere. <laughs> oh. oh, this one's kind of gross, but I'll tell you anyways. You know, because that wasn't. Um, the cranberry sauce, and this one's a little shorter. Um, when I was 20, I, I decided, because I always tried to schedule horrible operations and stuff when I was out of school, because that's what you do in college. You know, you don't want to miss a final exam. So I had to have sinus surgery because 
I'm a nerd, and when you're a nerd, like, you come born with horrible sinuses, apparently. So, um... <laughs> what a tr- Am I right? Yes? Um... So anyways, I had them, like, rotor-rootered, and has anyone had that done before? Anyone else in here? No? So there's this really cool side effect, which is you bleed a lot for, like, seven days afterwards. Um, and all the women at the health club I worked at thought I had had a nose job and gave me, like, horrible looks for a week. That was great, too, because I had gauze packed all around. So Christmas dinner, I'm trying to eat, and <laughs> while I'm eating, like, I'm trying to control the blood from, like, not dripping onto my plate. <laughs> And then, like, every, like, ten minutes having to go to the sink and, like, release the clots from my nose to, like, <laughs> it was, it was a Christmas miracle. <laughs> so, uh, this is kind of important. There is one item that is missing from this picture that happens to be my favorite food. Mashed potatoes. And there is a reason why mashed potatoes are my favorite food. And this is not a holiday family story, but it's a family story that I, like all these other ones I was talking to, to my mom today on the phone and she like kind of remembered, but this one she was like, oh no, I remember. I remember that day. Um, <laughs> I was about four, three or four years old and have you guys been to Furs Cafeteria ever? Yeah. So if you haven't been there, it's like this crazy buffet style restaurant like where, where grandmas love to take their 10 year old to get really fat. Um, but we went there, and you get to choose. You have to choose. It's like red pill, blue pill. Like, do, what side do you want? And my mom kept trying to get me to pick between uh, macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes. And I, like, flip-flopped, like, four times. And then at the last minute, I decided, no, 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 I want mashed potatoes. But apparently I was too late. And she had already picked macaroni and cheese. And all right, cool, cool. I'm going to let it sit. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I'll just go through the line and get to the table. It's cool. And then, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I got to the table, and I was fucking pissed. (laughs) I wanted mashed potatoes, which is what I said really quietly. And then, like, some sort of scary child monster. It just kept getting louder and louder. And I was like, I'm going to embrace these feelings. I am feeling this right now. And all of a sudden, I was just screaming, I want a mashed potato! <laughs> so we left. <laughs> and we get in the car, and my mom, like, latches the beast that was, like, four-year-old me to the car seat. And I, like, break free, because I'm like, fuck you, bitch. I am on a mission. Like, I wanted those mashed potatoes. And she's driving. <laughs> and I, like, and I remember, this is, like, one of my earliest memories from childhood, is, like, reaching forward and grabbing her hair <laughs> and just pulling it back as hard as I could. And mom, God love her, like, any, like, good single mom would, she just kept driving. She just kept driving. <laughs> And when I was talking to her about it today, she's like, oh, oh, you mean, you mean the time that you assaulted me in the car? <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah. And like, no, no tone, no hesitation. She's like, you know, I wanted to kill you that day. <laughs> Grandma talked me out of it. So she told me to just put you in your room and calm down and have a Bartles and James. And I did. I did. <laughs> 
I'm 29 now, and I'm still, like, having a lot of trouble, like, getting out there in the world. And I do remember from that moment her telling me, I am locking you in your room until you're 30. So I'm still hoping that, like, some magic, like, curse is going to lift <laughs> soon, and I'll be, like, free. But, um, so, so, yeah, I guess really, like, oh, I like that I have to read my note for my, like, hallmark moment at the end here. Um, <laughs> I guess my point is, like, all my stories are, you know, it, it's all fucked up. Family's fucked up, you know? There's a whole plethora of, like, different emotions and happiness, sadness, crying, you know, manipulation all thrown in. But it's all worth it, you know? Treasure it. You never know. Like, my grandma's almost 80. I don't know when she's going to die, but I still will always love her for that moment. She's like, fuck you bitches. I'm going to go play bingo. You know? It was awesome. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, just even though it's miserable at times, just don't take it for granted. And... Don't ever tell me I can't have fucking mashed potatoes. I'll fuck you up. Carla Rodriguez. Thanks, Carla. The Narrator's Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrator's Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to the narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>